if you want. That was really good. Thanks. So, Mary Beth, would you stand up? The Lord really highlighted me to you, uh, highlighted you to me this morning, and I really want to encourage you. This is, God speaks to me in pictures, and I got lots of pictures this morning. This is the picture I seen of you. You know, in the um, in the Summer Olympics, they do the high dive. You know, they climb up that really tall ladder. I'm like, oh, you know, these guys go all the way up there. And this, I see you climb all the way up this ladder to the high dive. And, um, and you're up there, and you're just, like, bold with confidence, like, like these Olympic divers are. And you go right to the end of this, of this long diving board, and you do a perfect dive into the water. And you go into the, and, and what I see is that you went into the deep parts of the water. And my, my sense was that you have been, I mean, you have such a heart for God. You have such passion for Him that you've been climbing this ladder for a long time, and it's taking you to, to really high places in the Spirit. And it's been a good thing. And part of the, the blessing that God has for you is that you're about to take a leap that's going to take you down into the deep, deep places of the Spirit. And when you go down in there, it's bright. It's, it's not like what deep water would normally look like, that dark and murky, crystal clear, you know, brilliant blue. And you looked absolutely thrilled. You looked exhilarated. So I really think God's about to take you into some deep places in the Spirit. And Michelle, would you stand up? I, you kind of got highlighted to me this morning as well. And as you were worshiping, I could just see like like you were um, like you were a magnet, okay? And all these things were just kind of being drawn to you and kind of being attached to you. Uh, but it wasn't bad stuff. It was like um, it was like tools and equipment. Um, it was um, uh, blessings, instruments from God, stuff that you're going to need for the call that's on your life for the things that he's preparing you for and that was a sense i had that right now you're like a like a magnet like a sponge you're just taking everything in and it's, it's an awesome place <coughs> to be in and god's just sending your way everything you need all the tools that you'll need are coming to you they're being attracted to you they're being adhered to you so that you'll have what you need um, for the journey that's further on down the road so and i just see you doing great things i see um, um, the, the equipment that you're getting is like a soldier would get or, or somebody who explorer would get. That You're going out into places that um, the average Christian uh, probably would not feel comfortable going, but you are made. And only when you created for it, he's equipping you to go exactly there. And so that's what I see on this one. And George, would you stand up? George, I looked at you this morning. And this is what I want you to know, that the, the favor of God rests upon you, that the Father's love on, is on you in a powerful and in an extravagant way. And he wants you to know that the highest calling in your life is to be a husband and a father. He created you to be a husband. He created you to be a father. You have the heart of a father. You have the heart of a husband. And he's perfectly shaped you, molded you, and equipped you for that. And, <clears throat> and I declare today... And you're going to completely fulfill that. Time. And Lori, would you stand? Just, um, this was like overwhelming to me when I seen it. Um, I seen a picture of a, a jewelry box, like a really beautiful, like a dark blue velvet 
uh, square jewelry box, and you know, usually like a like a ring would be in. You'd see a diamond ring or a, you know, an engagement ring, usually in, in that kind of box. And it was as if God was showing me this box, okay? And when He opened the, no, that you're precious. His view of He was, sh- you are precious, but priceless and precious. time for him to display you okay he's going he's opening up the box and it's time for you to shine because when the box opened up it was like brilliant light just came came off the top of your head so it's it's time it's time it's your time i see things on you this morning too i was looking at you while you were waving the flag and it looked like um like uh two large beams of light were coming out of your eyes and um they're really powerful, really bright lights were shining uh, out of your eyes. And I could tell that as you looked around, because you had like these two floodlights coming out of your eyes, you could see everything very, very clearly. But not only could you see it clearly, and so you would see things that other people wouldn't see because of all the light that's in your eyes, but you would light a path where other people could follow. So I look at you, pal, and I know that in spiritual things, um, the call, part of the call that's on your life is that you will lead other people out of darkness and into light. That's what you were made for. So, so I just bless you today, bro. And then I guess the, the well, there's one more thing. Julia, Julie, would you stand up? I seem like for a long time you have been in God's craft room. He has like it looked like a like an arts and craft room, a, a room that was made with all the supplies necessary, okay? And he had you on his craft table. He was working on you, and um, he was kind of, he was having fun putting pieces together. And when it was all done, he kind of displayed it to me, and it was um, it was a kite. It was a beautiful kite, multicolored kite. And he took you outside and let the wind blow, and it took you higher and higher and higher. Just a beautiful, beautiful kite. And I want you to know this last part, that the only thing that has you, um, the only attachment, the only control, the only strings are the ones that's in Papa's hands. He's the only one that has uh, strings on you. So you're free to, to blow in the, in the things of the Spirit. It's good stuff. Yeah, and Jonathan and Laura, um, well, you guys are an awesome team. I just, when you walked in, I just saw, you know, the two being being one flesh. I just want to encourage you that um, you, you're going to have some, um, you're going to have some big decisions to make in the not too distant future, okay? Not just, this is not just talking about the baby being born, but there's some major decisions that you're going to be making in life but you need each other. Neither one of you are going to have all the information. Neither one of you are going to have the whole picture. But when you come together, it's not going to be like addition. It's going to be like multiplication. There'll be a multiplying effect when you match your wisdom with one another. And you will make the best decisions um, when you're in agreement. And it'll. Um, and so instead of taking you know one step or two steps forward, you'll be taking five steps and ten steps because of um, your ability to work together. So truly, truly, communicate to one another. Share your...
Share your thoughts, your insights, especially on the major life decisions, because you'll advance much more quickly uh, when you do that. Okay? Does that make sense? So for the whole congregation, the, the last thing I seen was like the wind was blowing. It was like there was dust on our heads. Okay? I think there is um, just, uh, I, get, I think there are ways of thinking. You know those dusty places in your house that you don't always usually clean? Like, you know, Nadine cleans our house perfectly, but in some places, you know, like there are those, the, 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 that top shelf or, a, you know, the top of the refrigerator, those spots that, you know, the dust accumulates. Well, I think that because they seen dust on top of our heads, I think there are ways of thinking that it's just been that way for a long time. And we've never really, it, we, it's just the way it is, you know, it's not a place we go often. Well, I could feel like the wind of the Spirit blow through here, and he was, he was blowing that dust off the tops of everyone's heads. There, was, there will be new ways of thinking. There will be old things that you just assume that, hey, this is the way it is. It's always been that way. It's not even like you give a second thought to it. It's like, I'm on automatic pilot. Well, he's about to blow the dust off of that and give you new ways of thinking. Sorry. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, opening eyes today and encouraging your people today. Well, actually, you bless the rest of our service. Amen? Amen. Thanks for worship today, guys. Good job. <clears throat> Let's take up an offering. We appreciate you guys giving. I know for some, economic times have been difficult. So, Lord, we, uh, we have an offering. Bless it, multiply it, use it to bring glory to you and advance your kingdom. Amen? Amen. 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 As those baskets go around, I'll... <clears throat> On Tuesdays, we have prayer at Ginny's house at 10 a.m. Um, the advanced workshop, dream interpretation. Uh, here at the church is a $50. I'm not coming through. Is that better? Yeah, we're going to have to get a new mic here. Is that any better? Um. If you are interested in taking that class, or only one weekend, you could take it. We had a great time this week. It's different than the other classes. Um, what we do is we have a big white diagram. Um, it's just, boy, it was fun just having a lot of interaction and you know, breaking dreams down and learning how to uh, understanding God's parabolic message. Food pantry from 6 to 7.30. Thursdays, we've been doing um, book clubs, and we're on our second book club, this book called Unchristian, and um, 8 o'clock here at the church. If you're interested in coming, we've only done one chapter so far. We'll begin, we'll do, please read chapter 2, and we'll discuss it this Thursday. We sold out of the books, but you, you can get them on Amazon <coughs> pretty affordably. Youth group, Saturday at 7.30. Sunday prayer in a prayer room from 9 to 10 a.m. A couple of uh, coming events. We have our potluck. Uh, 
December 13th. That'll be a great time. Mary Beth has point on that. Please, uh, what did I say? I'm sorry. The December 11th, on Friday, 7 p.m., December 11th, Mary Beth has point. Uh, th- that night, Josh Young's going to be here. He's going to sing a little bit, um, kind of whet our appetite for the next night, December 12th. We're going to have a night of worship here with Josh Young. Um, admission is free. We will t- bring help cover some expenses. Josh is awesome. If you guys have seen him in a conference or well, listen to any one of his CDs. Great worship leader. And then he's going to hang around and do <coughs> do and a few other things in the works. In March, Jim Driscoll's going to come and do the Sea Course. In April, we're going to have Lisa Maschek and do a Dream Intensive Weekend. Uh, we may have Doug Anderson the last Sunday of May. He's going to be at a wedding in Brooklyn. And I was like, in the neighborhood, you know. He's going to come. Working on having the interns come on down from uh, New Hampshire. I don't care what we do with them. It'll be fun. Uh, Paul Keith Davis may come the end of next year. I did send an invitation to John Paul to come uh, anytime in 2010. And unfortunately, he is booked solid you know, for 2010. So we may have to wait until 2011 to get him. So I was like, oh, I'm kind of bummed on that. But he's unavailable at this point. Did I miss any announcements? I apologize off. I'd like it to go away too. <laughs> so if you have Bible first Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians nine. Last week I began a new sermon series titled Unchristian. And it's inspired by a book of the same title written by David Kinkerman or Kinneman. And um In last week's message, I told you that I wanted us, I wanted the Bridge Church to actually be a bridge. I wanted us to be a bridge. I want us to be a bridge between us and other people. Both those who are inside the kingdom and those who are outside the kingdom. I wanted our church to be a bridge to those people. And I wanted us to be a bridge between man and God. So I see that as part of our role. Um, I, I believe that this book on Christian can help us. It can equip us to better be a bridge between us and people who are outside the kingdom. And so we're doing it as a book club. Let's see what else. And then um, what I did last week is I reviewed the six perceptions. That in King Kinnaman's book, he describes six perceptions that, thank you, sir, that outsiders have about Christians. Now, he's not saying that they're completely accurate. But he is saying that this is their perception of us. Now, my heart... My vision is that we would take it to the streets, right? You've heard me say that a bunch of times. If we're going to take it to the streets and we want to reach these people, it's going to help us a whole lot if we understand where they're coming from so we could speak their language. And so 
they have, you know, we have an image problem. The church has an image problem. Most of those that, the term that Kinnaman uses in his book is he refers to people who are not inside the kingdom. He refers to them as outsiders. It was the best term he can come up with. He had to use something. The outsiders have a very low opinion of us. They don't like us. The church has an image problem. And he broke it down into six perceptions. And so, just to lightly touch on those again. The first is that they, they see us as hypocritical. They say that Christians pretend to be something unreal, conveying a polished image that's not accurate. That's how they see us. They see us as being too focused on getting converts. They feel like targets rather than people. Ouch. They feel like targets rather than people. Considering this at one point in some teaching I had done in the past at other places, God gave me a word picture of what it's like um, when we go and try to evangelize people with some of the methods that we've used in the past. He gave me a really good word picture to identify with how they feel. And he said to me, how do you feel when a telemarketer calls your house? I hate, man, I hate when my phone rings and there's a telemarketer. Because the person on that end of the phone, they care nothing about me. All they want to do is close the deal. That's their only objective. How many of us, as we've engaged in some evangelistic program in the past where that was our mindset. All I wanted to do was close the deal. Well, I'll tell you what. We have very savvy generation. If we have an agenda, if our only agenda is to close the deal, they're going to reject us. And they have because, like it says, this is a quote from the book, they feel like targets rather than people. I never, listen to me, I never want to lead anything. I never want to sponsor anything that is going to engage unbelievers or outsiders, as, as the book refers to them, and have them walk away feeling like they just had a conversation with a telemarketer. I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to feel that way. I don't like when people do it to me. I don't want to do it to them. What I do want to do is this. I want to love them extravagantly. I want to love them unconditionally. I want to love them no strings attached. And if that leads them a couple of steps closer to Jesus, hot dog. That'll be awesome. But if not, they walk away feeling like they've been loved extravagantly. They've been loved unconditionally. And I don't know of anybody that couldn't benefit from being loved that way. Because that's how the Father loves me. He loves Tom extravagantly. He loves me unconditionally. And he loves me all the time. That's what I want to do to them. I don't want to... They feel like we're too focused on getting converts. They feel like targets rather than people. That's got to change. That's their perception of us. I think it's an accurate perception. They see us as anti-homosexual. It's one of their other observations. One of their perceptions of us. Outsiders say that Christians are bigoted and show disdain for gays and lesbians. Even if we disagree with their life choices, it doesn't give us the right to treat them with disdain. That's wrong. 
right? Jesus was the friend of sinners. What does it mean to be a friend? He was the friend of sinners. How many sinners are you friendly with? I'm talking about people outside this room. One of their other perceptions of us is they see us as sheltered. Outsiders say that we do not respond to reality in appropriately complex ways, preferring simplistic solutions, input slogans, as opposed to real answers. That's got to change. They see us as too political, as Christians as overly motivated by a political agenda. This is their perception of us, and because of it, they've rejected us. And maybe the worst of all is they see us as judgmental. They think that we're quick to judge, and they doubt that we really love people as we say we do. This is their perception of us. Now, we have a bad reputation, and to a huge degree, we've worked hard to earn that reputation. And I think we're going to have to work hard to change it. This book is going to help us do that. So today... In my second message in this series, I want to do something a little different. I want to have a dialogue. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. But I open the 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read verses 19 to 23 in the New International Version. And then I want to read it in the, uh, in the paraphrase, the message. Just kind of give us a different flavor on it. So this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, Though I am free, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to anyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so that I may win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I may save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Powerful words. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I may win some. In the message, Peterson's message, he, he translates those very same verses this way kind of give you another flavor. He says, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those 
I meet to God. I meet to a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Lord, your word's powerful. Blow the dust off of our heads, oh God. Help us to see and think and understand in new ways. Do it, Lord. So, it sounds like Paul was pretty flexible in his approach. Right? Maybe the apostle of apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Written so much of the New Testament. He sounds like he was willing to do about anything to enter into their world to do whatever it took to help lead people closer to Christ. I like the flexibility. I like the creativity that it seems to imply. The fact that he was open to new ideas. He was, he was willing to change his approach so that he might win some. How about you? How about you? Are you willing to try new things? Are you willing to boldly go where no man has gone before? I hope so. So, just a couple of thoughts. We do not need, listen to me, we do not need to compromise what we believe to reach this current culture. We don't need to compromise what we believe. We do need to more closely examine what we believe. Okay? I think there are some things that we believe that are core values. They're unchangeable. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Okay? The Bible is the you know, inerrant word of God. God breathed. Inspired word of God. You know, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There are st- we have some non-negotiables. But we've got lots of negotiables. There's lots of stuff that go out from there that's widely negotiable. And it's, it's not so much what we believe, but how we live out, how we do it, how we express it. In that place, lots of room for change. We need to get out of autopilot mode. You know, sometimes I think our brains, our hearts, we're on autopilot. And we're just doing what we've always done because it's always what we did and it seemed fine. But I want us to stop. I want us to switch, turn the autopilot off, and I want us to think. I want us to examine why we do what we do. Why we do it the way we do it. And is it room for change to make it more effective? I do not believe we need to compromise what we believe to reach the current culture. But I think we need to start living what we believe. I think we need to change how we do what we say we do. I think we need to become a people who live love. Remember my whole series of messages I first got here on live love? We need to live love. You can't go wrong there. You're not sure what to do? Make live love your default position. I'm convinced that we can hold to the orthodoxy of our faith and still reach this culture. 
However, it will require that we're willing to change some of our religious traditions and our religious vocabulary. Are you willing to make that change? Those are the negotiables. We're not, we don't deny Christ if we give up some of our religious traditions and we change our religious vocabulary. That we can change. Jesus impacted the culture of his day with dramatic effect. And it changed the religious landscape. And we can do the same thing. Because he lives in us by the power of his spirit. So, I want to, like I said, I want to do things a little differently today. I'd like us to have a dialogue. I'd like to have a dialogue. What I want to do is I want to break us up into small groups of about four or five people. And then I have three questions. Can you put that slide up? <laughs> Yay, it worked. What I want to do is break us up into groups of four or five, and I want you to answer these three questions. Can you read that? Individually, what can we practically do to change outsiders' negative perceptions of us? Individually. The second question is, what can we do as a church to change outsiders' negative perceptions of us? And the third is, how can we better live love to those outside of our community of faith? Three simple questions. And so what I'd like you to do is break up into groups of four and five, just huddle up with people around you, and answer those three questions. I'll give you about 15 minutes to do it. And then what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll have our dialogue. I want you to share the answers that your small groups came up with to those questions, okay? So let's break up in the, let's break up in the small groups.